Welcome to Encounter. This is a podcast and radio show where we seek to encounter Christ, culture, and community. And I still record that new each time, and I'm not sure why. So for tonight's episode, Joe Cole and I sift through some ideas with the church. So first, we start off our conversation by asking each other what God is doing in our lives. So what is God doing in your life? And one thing I want to encourage you, and we say this at the end of the episode, but find someone in your life and ask them this week, what is God doing in your life? And make that a common conversation starter that you can use with the believers, the brothers and sisters in your life. It will keep the conversations that you have gospel-centered. It will make people aware that they're going to need to have and be aware of their relationship with Christ almost every time that they see you, and it will just create a culture of gospel with uh, the people that are around you. So where that takes us, so we cover being stretched thin between work, ministry, personal life. We cover how how little we actually know about the Bible in the context of the Old and New Testament and how Jewish Jesus was and the context of his ministry. And then for most of the episode, we talk about transparency in the church in relation to uh, Matt Chandler and the kind of, not I don't want to say scandal, but the incident that has been kind of all over the internet and just processing through what he did, what it was, and how we're called to be of our approach. So we dig deep into these things tonight. So we pray that this podcast bless you and wherever you're listening, please continue to like, favorite, and subscribe to this podcast. It is still growing and people are sharing it and we see all kinds of listeners popping up in different areas that we weren't expecting. And we love talking to people that are in our local community about some of the things that we say, some things people agree with, disagree with, and it is all for the glory of Christ and his kingdom. So please stay plugged into the podcast, but more importantly, stay plugged into your church. Sit under a pastor that teaches from the word. Have a great week. start with a question that we said we were going to integrate into our conversations more so when we were going through the gospel fluency episode, probably 10 episodes ago now, where we were encouraging and encouraged to start with what's God teaching you right now and, and having that as a kind of a conversation starter piece for fellowships. So we'll start with that. What's, what's going on in your lives and what's God teaching you right now? We'll start with that, you know, nice, nice light piece of conversation. Cool. Yeah. How, do, how, do, how did I know it was coming directly to me? Oh, well, it's 50 50. <laughs> that, that <is laughs> so, well, I mean, you could take it for yourself. I mean, yeah, it's true. Um, right now, it, it's uh, a similar, similar uh, lesson to what uh, he taught me the last time we were talking. Uh, I, not that I learned the lesson. So you just aren't listening. It, correct. Um, okay. Well, it, it's. It's a very long process. Maybe that's a better way to look at it. And it like ebbs and flows sometimes with my personality um, of stop, rest. Stop teasing me. What, what no, I, I was getting there. I'm just getting, I was getting there. It's, it's a build up. Um, wait, wait to yeah. hear it. Wait to hear it. just like <laughs> heroin. <laughs> it ebbs and flows. <laughs> yeah, today's a really bad day. Um, no, uh, as uh, rest and leading ministry with open hands. 
And uh, it's it's been specifically brought up recently, again, in my mind as um, I'm trying to let go of certain ministries to focus on some that I, I feel like God has called me a little bit more towards than trying to spread myself thin in uh, a multitude of, of uh, ministries and trying to get a little bit more laser focused on uh, where my gifts and uh, talents and abilities are. And uh, the openness uh, comes from allowing other people to take over things that I've uh, nurtured and uh, put some like blood, sweat, and tears into, and just kind of like see it flourish through somebody else, yeah. and, and not uh, hold on to it too much. Um, so yeah, it's it's, it's been um, fantastic to see people step up in these ministries and to see people uh, be equipped over the years and uh, have a passion for these things, and then just be stepping up into into ministry. And and it's kind of it's I can't because I don't have children. I can't say it's the same thing as watching a child grow, but it's a little bit, I would assume it's something like that as you can see them growing up and see them taking on responsibility. And it's, uh, I, I'm proud. I, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm proud of, of the team around me and uh, the people of the congregation as I see more and more people step up into opportunities as more ministries uh, become available and people want to help and serve. Uh, it's been encouraging. And then on top of that is finding the rest now that I'm giving up things, not taking on more and not being like, oh, I have all this free time. Let me just start serving more. But uh, like I said, focusing on the areas of ministry that I'm specifically equipped for and then also taking time to rest throughout the week um, and enjoy uh, the fellowship that I have with God and my alone time and just taking all this extra time that I would be doing ministry. And it sounds bad, but and focusing it on my personal relationship with God, mm. so I mean, that's is it hard? Is the does the control slash trust part of you? Is it hard to let go? Oh, very, very much. I just told a story uh, last week uh, to a friend. I said, and it, it happened Sunday morning, um, where there was a slide that somebody wanted to change the background for, and in my, they asked me directly Sunday morning, like as service is, is about to get started. And they could see that I had like a mental break that I didn't want to say yes. And I was like holding on and I asked them a couple questions of why they thought this would be good. And eventually I was like, it's not that deep. It's just a background. I don't know why I'm trying to hold on to this thing. And who's to say that that's not exactly what somebody needed to see. There's a lot of things. So especially in a media ministry, a lot of decisions, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. are going to be a matter of opinion. Yeah. It's very subjective. It's very subjective. Um, and on top of that, a lot of things are made on the fly. So sometimes somebody brings something up and, and mm-hmm. they're, they're correct. And I just have to go with it instead of, I don't have a lot of time to deliberate all the time or, oh, let me pray about that background real quick. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, not yeah. going to happen. Um, so it's, it's a lot of it is going with the flow sometimes um, yeah, and, and trusting the people around you. Yeah, so. yeah I've noticed this is, a, this is like a tough, like what you're doing, even though it's, it's like it's tough, is necessary. Like... I, 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 when you don't do it, the fruit of it's so rotten, like holding mm-hmm. on to something past time mm-hmm. when God, so there's two things like one, God is raising someone else to do what you do possibly better, yeah. which is painful mm-hmm. to realize. Mm-hmm. And two, he has, and is preparing you for something better. Yes. You, on, know, on, like, you have to realize both. Yeah. On the better thing, it's, it's humbling because sometimes I do view myself as very good at things, but it's, it comes to a point where I can't be good at everything. And especially, like you said, in some areas, people are much, much, much better than me. And like I said, passionate about something and that's what they want to do. So it's, like I said, just empowering that person to, to, uh, to run with it. I so. never thought you'd give up the breakdancing ministry. Really? I know. It's just like, sometimes. <laughs> that hits the line, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's got cardboard in the middle of the- <laughs> 
had to yeah. take up the uh, fist pumping uh, ministry. So, okay. you know. <laughs> all right. And Jersey guy, huh? That's right. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think churches have a hard time, especially when they grow. And mm. then, you know, churches feel like God uses people with skill sets that for certain, like, you know, areas, and then the church maybe grows in number or grows in, you know, it's the same reason why, like, Washington Township soccer team is better than Hamilton's. They have 3,000 people to choose from. So you get more mm-hmm. number numbers, and then, you know, all of a sudden God's pulling you away from something you've really invested into and you use, and mm-hmm. you could either hold on to it and bring that ministry to the ground, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, or let it go and, and be excited about where God's having you next. And I know we've talked about this on the podcast a few times, but, like, n- God does not need us for our ministry. Mm-hmm. And like his work is still going to be done one way or another. It's just whether we take part of it and how we take part in it. So mm-hmm. just finding the avenue that is right for us. And, and like he said, instead of like white nickel gripping onto something and like taking it to the ground. Yeah. And especially that'll like you might, we go through this experience our entire lives. Oh yeah. It's going to constantly change. Yeah. Like my mom's in her mid sixties and she just realized that she, like God's calling her to minister to widows, mm-hmm. you know? And, it's something that pastor has been trying to instill in me. He's like, look, I did this ministry in the church and then somebody came up, I trained them and then it freed me up to do the next thing. And then same thing happened. Mm-hmm. He said he kept moving on through his ministry. And so I'm trying to model that a little bit and continue to move on. So no, it's strange. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, which that's a good thing because could you imagine right now if somebody would like, if somebody could show you like a, a, a glimpse into your future 40 years from now and Cole was doing the exact, just come up with new slides oh, for the no, no, no. for Christmas yeah. 2047, you know? And it's like, it, not that that's a bad thing, but it would be old for you. It's mm-hmm. like, that'll be new to somebody else then. Mm-hmm. But like, just imagine just doing the same thing your whole entire, and not never like growing in different avenues. Yeah. And, and, and Yeah. Yeah, and I also, imagine pastors, like, it's weird to have a different ministry after being a pastor. Yeah. Like the, there's a this kind of local yeah, big church did, where yeah. the guy just retired as a pastor. I don't know if you can ever full, actually retire from being a shepherd. Like it seems mm. like that's a calling yeah. that might be till death. But also, you might not be employed anymore. But in some way, you're still got to be a shepherd. So, like, what if you just like you're the slides guide now? Yeah. Like that's I yeah, just, yeah, it's weird yeah. being like you go from being a principal to like mm. you know groundskeeping. It's it's like a different. But on the um, it's staying in one area of your life forever. That it's like it's unhealthy because then we're not challenged in the area that we're in. Like that we get mm-hmm. comfortable in, in our own ministries as well. And then there, it's the same thing like we talk about with prosperity in America where we're so comfortable and we don't have to rely on God. If I get to the point in my ministry that I don't have to think about anything and it's just, it's just second, second nature, nature yeah. then it's like, am I actually relying on God to act, to enable me to do anything or is it just... When you can start doing me? your ministry with your eyes closed, it's like, all right, maybe somebody mm-hmm. else should... No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then you have a little tower of battle, you know? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. But it's a good it's a good place kind of to be because then you're the most knowledgeable to train other people and to spread the knowledge around. Yeah, yeah. it's a good place to get to, but then recognize and then pass it on. Mm-hmm. Nice. So. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's good for people listening to hear that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry, it's the same one from however money. <laughs> yeah, just well, I was gonna say, what, what what made you come to this uh, realization? Uh, because somebody is stepping up into my area of ministry. I I've. You finally found someone you feel comfortable hanging out and parts off to. Not necessarily that. It It is a little bit that way, that somebody I felt grew into a, an area where they can lead the ministry. That person's definitely listening now, so they, you better phrase yeah, everything no, very well. No. <laughs> but it, it's also from uh, the past like month, month and a half, has been getting overwhelmed in little things that shouldn't overwhelm me. And it's like, why, why is this so overwhelming? It's because mm-hmm. it's a hundred little things in like 12 different ministries. And it's like, I, that's not what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I'm supposed to focus on one and do it really, really well. 
and not like all these little, it, it happened a lot uh, the past couple weeks where things just slip through the gaps and it'd be Sunday morning. I'd be like, oh, I got to do this thing for my ministry. And it's just, it kept like slipping and slipping. Mm-hmm. So finding somebody else who, like I said, was one, very passionate about this and two, is, is equipped and, and has been um, faithful in this area. So Yeah, so Shmash, Shmash if yeah. you're listening. Um, all right, Joe, hook me up. What's God speaking to you right Same now? Same question. Um, I have been... Uh, it's a couple of things. It's a, Cole kind of asked this question today, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of went on a spiel. But um, I'm, I'm being humbled a lot in the sense of I'm realizing... I was kind of talking to you about this earlier. I'm realizing how little we actually know about scripture mm-hmm. and in turn about God because it's one way he reveals himself to us. Um, and what's helping it, you realize that just different extra biblical books that I've been reading. And then the past like three that I've read are, were great because they, they're constantly bringing up verses and scriptures and, and the, the holistically from one end to the uh, scripture from, you know, from Genesis to uh, revelation, like, the context of everything, and uh, it's really making me realize how little we actually know. Um, or I don't even want to say how little. We, sometimes how much we can know because our lim- our certain limitations. Um, just being from where we're from, being from the time period we're from, just different things like that. But in the broader sense, what he's actually teaching me is is a lot more about grace than I ever really thought about. I've always ever meditated on the idea of grace and how it pertains to me and less about how that grace should now affect every aspect of my life. Like that is legitimately like the the backbone of of, of our faith and how it should how it should change how I'm looking at people. That's I mean that's a big issue with me. Mm-hmm. Um not that I don't think people have room for failure. I just get very, I have short patience for when it's the repeated, when people's repeated things, um, even though I have the same thing. So it's, it's just, it's just uh, I'm learning a lot about grace from the human to human perspective. Mm. But, you know, going t- taking it from the vertical to the horizontal. Um, and recognizing, like, I think we said recently, like that, Everybody else is an image bearer of God as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, worshiping look, God, looking for the image of God yeah. in them. Right, that's really worshiping Him as a creator. Mm. Um, yeah, so a lot. That's basically where what I've been sitting in right now. Okay. Um, but but it's a hard one though because it's not. It's so not natural. So I'm looking forward to reading a couple of the books you mentioned um, that you read. One is the what well, we. The Jewish-related books, they said the Jewishness of Jesus type books. What were those that you were reading through? So um, the one is the Jewish Jewish Roots of the Christian Faith. Okay. And then the other one right now that I'm reading right now that is rocking my world is... Um, the Dust of... Um, oh, my gosh. Isn't it like the, the Dust of the Rabbi? Uh, ben, ben Shapiro wrote it, Walking right? in the Dust... <laughs> there it is. Walking in the Dust of Rabbi Jesus. Okay. Um, it's Dust and Jesus. I got close. Yeah, you got Dust. There you go. <laughs> yeah, which is really blowing my mind. Okay. Because it's... It, she, the author's bringing up things that I've read a million times and then painting it in the light of how a first century Jewish person would have interpreted it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's drastically shocking. And, is and is it any of it different and in, 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 in shaping theology differently or is it just 
wow, that's really cool. And like deepening your understanding of scripture, or is it just like, wow, we actually did God a disservice interpreting it that way? Um, not necessarily a dis. No, not necessarily a dis. Okay. But it's more like a wow, that's that's really cool. Like um, we missed the main point of that. Yeah, and I think the disservice that we do is is really taking Jesus out of his Jewish roots, mm-hmm. and so much so that like it's been over. If you want to look at it over the years of of the church, it's created anti anti semitism. It's it's created all sorts of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we we should never really have we should never be able to really think about our faith and our at least in my opinion our, our faith and our Christianity without thinking of Judaism mm. like it, they should be so close because for the first 10 years that Christianity was a for the first decade there wasn't a non-christian Jew i mean there wasn't a non-jewish christian for the first decade it wasn't to, to peter went to cornelius yeah. that yeah. like every jewish was christian christian no every, every christian, christian was jewish, jewish. Yeah. yeah so it, you know it it was just another it was almost for the beginning it was almost like the fifth philosophy so you had the Pharisees, the Sadducees, you had the Essenes, you had the Zealots, and then the people who thought the Messiah was here, who followed the way, the way kind of being like the fifth philosophy, like they called the Zealots the fourth philosophy. Mm. The people of the way would have been like the fifth philosophy. It's just another, th- it's just Judaism just fulfilled the Messiah's here. Yeah. So it, we just lose, um, we lose a lot when we take it out of that. So I'm like, I'm becoming obsessed with it and like. It's not a bad thing. No, no. Um, well, what's uh, what's the uh, the one rabbi um, messianic uh, Jew that uh, that you were showing me? Uh, I mean, Matt. Uh, I forget. Um, I forget. Uh, rabbi, yeah, he wrote. Um, I can look it up real quick. He wrote Jesus never said anything new, mm-hmm. um, which mm. I'm going to read soon. But um, he just talks about a lot of different things that we we credit to Jesus that. Jesus didn't birth that they weren't idea. New concepts. They weren't new concepts. Mm-hmm. They were they were they were concepts that were being debated about in the time, and he just painted them in a new light. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the guy arguing that like um, ancient rabbinic like Judaism like always said these things. When uh, Ben Shapiro talked to William Lane Craig, like the is he an apologist or just an evangelist? I'm not William sure. Lane Craig, apologist. Yeah. Uh, that's the one question he asked. He said Christians are always saying that Jesus had all these new moral. Mm-hmm. Laws, not laws, but more, new morals and like a new religion. And he's like, "There's nothing in the New Testament that I can't justify from the old." Yeah. And he's like, "So what? What, it, what does Christianity offer other than a guy fulfilling prophecies?" And William Craig was like, "Not that much. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it should be the same." Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, the the book is "Jesus Never Said Anything New" by Matt Rabbi Matt Rosenberg. So Adam, what do you think? So I, um, <laughs> I was going to ask you, and then you started on the, <laughs> the sprinkler tangent. So, so I was asked to, to cover for um, a teaching moment this week, and um, I was going through Hebrews twelve, and I had prepared like a kind of a three point thing from it, a three point message, and. I was happy with it, and I feel like it was like a culmination of a lot of stuff that God's been teaching me throughout it a lot. And then I 
um, like had it all ready. I finished Tuesday's Bible study, and then that night I just was like, I, I so to to explain like what I'm about to say, and we'll talk about this I think for a, a little bit, which isn't just about me, but like. So Matt Chandler's uh, the main pastor of Village Church, and I will say I'm like really biased to him as a pastor. Um, I don't put him on a pedestal, but I, I closely do. Like I, I just I've loved every teaching he's done, and I've learned a lot from him, and I'm like thankful to him for yeah. his ministry. Um, so um, I feel like at least when I hear him speak, I can let my guard down and trust him a little bit. And Joe, you sent me an article. Is it Monday or Tuesday morning? Something like that, yeah. Um, and, I think it was, yeah, Monday morning. And, and it I says have no clue what's going on. Yeah, Cole, oh, yeah. we were going to tell Cole, but uh, we decided uh, not to because I feel like he would be a nice reaction. Um, I mean, the article basically says like sex scandal at Matt Chandler's church, all right, oh. with uh, Matt Chandler. So I was, uh, I was at work and I was like doing something, and it was Matt Chandler steps aside after inappropriate online relationship. So I immediately Googled <laughs> like that and all the following ones were like sex scandal at Village Church, Matt Chandler's done, mm -hmm. Matt Chandler's been me too'd. And so I just, I can't process this right now. All it's the like, words. It's like hearing a brother in Christ just fall, it just stinks. So I went halfway through the day and then at, I guess Liz had sent it to my wife um, mm -hmm. and Allison texted me and she's like, I don't fully understand like why it's being so blown up. And so I listened to him speak about it, and if you if you are at home and you want to YouTube it, it's like the, the commentaries of people talking about it have over a hundred thousand views. So I can't, I don't I don't know what the actual thing is, mm -hmm. but probably in the millions. Um, he just basically and you get chip in where yeah. I missed some gaps, but he basically uh, gets on stage and he he starts crying, and then he says that a year ago uh, he started messaging someone, a woman, about spiritual matters on Instagram that she DM'd him with a question. He answered it. His wife knew about the messages and consulted him like while he was messaging mm -hmm. her husband knew about the messages and consulted her. So it wasn't like a private conversation that was hidden and they messaged back and forth. Um, and then a year later after that conversation apparently was kept going, that girl who was messaging a friend came up to him in church and said, I believe, I think that what your, uh, your, your relationship with my friend is inappropriate. So he panics, goes to his elder board, turns over the communication, says, I got, I got uh, like a conviction. I, I'm not above approach. I've just been approached. So um, mm -hmm. look at these messages. They take a week to read them. They decide to put him on leave, I guess indefinitely is that the word, where you don't know how long. Mm -hmm. And he agreed with their assessment. He asserts and just for – Again, this is what we know. So if something comes out, it could change. It, in a it'll week. change. Yeah. But uh, he says that it was not romantic or sexual. It was about the frequency and familiarity of him and another woman. That was what was alarming. That the was frequency what was alarming. and the familiarity. Mm -hmm. familiarity. So okay. those two words are what. So then his elder board put together a statement after he gave his statement and put it out and it aligned verbatim for the main talking point. So it wasn't like they're in disagreement. Like they're mm -hmm. all on board. Okay. And then he hired a, an independent investigator. And handed over everything, and they put together their own report of what was said, and they took his phone, his cell phone, his browser history, his text messages, his Facebook messages, and Instagram DMs, and they published them too on the side. So they're not – they didn't publish them, but their report and their summary of okay. it, which would be, again, exactly what they um, – it doesn't – not contrary to their church. So all that being said is I saw this dude weeping in front of church and – Dude, how long, it, how long it took him to utter his first words – yeah. In the beginning, yeah, I cried was, before he even talked. Oh my gosh, dude, it was so heavy. He just he he gets out and he's like, "I bet you're all like nervous about this." And then he starts crying, and then he's like, "It's just so hard to looking at you." Yeah, you know, like so you know, he feels the the, the embarrassment, 
And he explains it. He says that he's holding himself to a standard of a head pastor of a church where he's supposed to be above reproach. Mm-hmm. He, it, the second Timothy standard of being, there's a first Timothy. Yeah, um, I, I know it's the third chapter of whatever book uh, is above reproach, you know, and there's the standards of a bishop, which mm-hmm. is what we take as a pastor. Mm-hmm. So he said, I violated the definition of that. So I, I, he's like, I will be the head pastor of the church. You know, I'll be reinstated, but right now this is where I am. And he's like, and I agree with their decision. There's some heart issues that I think that this issue highlighted. So we're all kind of left to speculate. And my speculation is, is irrelevant, I guess, but my speculation is it's, if it's not romantic and not sexual, and he said that, and it's been verified, I have to assume it was like loose conversation unbefitting of a pastor. Like maybe he was sending memes back and forth or they gossiped about another church member. He was a cursing or something, you know? And he even says at the end, he's like, if you're here and not a Christian, you're probably thinking like, what the H? Like he yeah, says yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> uh, that why am I making this such a big deal? He's like, because the Bible matters. I'm not above the authority of scriptures and mm-hmm. I need to demonstrate that. So talk about that in a, the whole thing in a second. But like what that highlighted to me in the midst of reading Hebrews 12 and having this message and then like seeing him say, I'm just so embarrassed and so ashamed I just feel like I let my kids down. I feel like I let my wife down and I feel like I let my church down. That's when he like really cried. And then you get to Hebrews 12 uh, verse two and I can read it exactly in a second, but um, it's the, he who runs the race before us or um, that's not it at all, but I'm flipping. Therefore, we also, since we are Surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us and let us run the race of endurance before us that is set before us, said that twice, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so the part that hit me was the word shame there because I always pictured shame as in you're in the pig slop. You know, and the more responsibility and the the more of the mantle of Christ you carry, for him, the shame is anything outside of what the Bible delineates is is reasonable for a bishop. And um, it's just the idea that that shame that Matt feels right now is the reason why Christ died. You know, mm-hmm. like he's on, it says he, the joy set before him, and then he's on the cross and he feels like, like, I know you guys know this, but like everything, if you go through the, the exact details of what crucifixion is, it's designed for shame because they wanted to shame everybody else for doing what that person did. Well, like the, design, the design was if you're Rome, the design was don't cross us. Don't cross no us. Intended, yeah. Because, yeah. 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 It's with the Roman candles. Uh, right, you know, right, the, right. Yeah. The, it was public like, humiliation. Uh, it, they were naked for a reason. They would mm-hmm. mutilate your genitals. They would peel your skin off your back. But for Jesus, they specifically, because he called himself the king of the Jews, like they mm-hmm. put the, the fake mm-hmm. crown of thorns on his head or the real crown of thorns, fake crown. Um, and it just brought, I don't know, a, a wave of new convictions for me about how I, like the Holy Spirit just convicted me on like a bunch of levels of things that, like I, in the past five years, I would say I've taken on more spiritual leadership roles than I had before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my convictions hadn't changed. Mm. 
you know. It should match your level of growth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I was like, I've grown. Why haven't I trimmed more out? Right. And I'm not talking, and I really, I'm not going to try to justify any of the convictions because they're my convictions and I don't have to name them, but like just little things from what you watch to like TV shows to com- comedy you listen to, mm-hmm. to like, if it's, even if it's not necessarily sin, is it a weight? Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah. Hebrews 12 talks about like sin and weight. Um, what weight can you take off? So hearing him and then that, I went home and I rewrote like basically the whole second half of the message because that's where I was like, that's that's Jesus, like right there in the middle of that. Mm. And I think, uh, you know, I, I think that right where I am with a bias on his behalf and with the information we have, I'm so, I admire him for what he's doing so much. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a big thing that I think that we don't get, like like he said, if if... If somebody was a non-believer in his congregation or whoever watching on YouTube, and they found out what the accusations were, or whatever, they'd be like, "What the hell is this? Like, this is what he's, yeah, this is what he's losing his job for, you know, mm-hmm. right now." Like, um, mm-hmm. one, what's good thing is he highlights the standard that we're supposed to live to, especially pastors. But two, what I think we don't get is what was biblical then, and is still relevant in many cultures in the East, is like shame culture, mm-hmm. and we don't have that anymore. But that is relevant through scripture. And when we think shame culture, we think like fat shaming and stuff like that. And it gets this negative connotation. But there was a positive thing that came from um, your flaws, I guess, for the lack of better terms, being publicly addressed. Hmm. And you see this throughout scripture, and and if you don't study it, it's a little hard to see sometimes, but like when the Pharisees would publicly ask Jesus questions, that they weren't looking for answers. Like they had a bunch of rabbis uh, like under – like to that go – they could ask that, that, Exactly. When you see the disciples ask uh, Jesus, it's always in private, right? When they really want answers, like Nicodemus, they ask in private. Mm-hmm. So when, they, when, when the Pharisees ask Jesus – a question. They're not looking for answers. That that was they're a way to, to publicly him. shame him, mm-hmm. because it, like they know the question that they're answer, asking is divisive, and there's already two schools of thought, you know, either from Hillel or Shammai with the rabbis that were big in the times. So they wanted the public because if Jesus answers a question, fifty percent of people are going to hate him, and fifty percent of people are going to love him. Which is why the third option is so like yeah, he's always kind of skated right down mm-hmm. that middle and made him think. We're always just quoted right back to scripture. Mm-hmm. Like you've heard it, you've heard it said, meaning like you've heard. Rabbi Hillel, or you've mm-hmm. heard Rabbi mm-hmm. Shammah. Yeah, no, but there was this. So anyway, long story short is shame that that what Matt Chandler did to get up in front of really the world because he knew it was going to be on YouTube yeah. and he knew this was going to be a, like is is commendable really because he he could have just like you said they could have just not made it that big of a deal especially if it wasn't that big of a deal they knew what was going to happen and they still did it anyway like yeah and that's it's like at the heart of that the issue of shame really is where the gospel sits. Like, yeah, it's the paradox of the cross. It is the paradox. Yeah. It's that, like, if you're sitting here listening right now, and if you're Sean, you're driving, um, <laughs> and you can think of one thing, if you're over five years old, it's got to be something, you know, one thing that you would rather no one ever know about, like one sin that you're like, actually, like, I can't imagine if my mom or like, if they were to publish like your sin on a video on the world, to, to the world, how that shame you would feel, your face going red, your cold, your blood going cold, like you just want to crawl into a hole and end it all. You mm-hmm. know, like that type of shame that you would, like whatever, like if you're listening right now and you're, you just feel it like gripping you right now, 
That's what Jesus died for. Mm. Like not just for the the sin itself, but he took the shame of that sin mm-hmm. by dying as a naked false king in front of everybody. Yeah. And like to then say, I'm going to now take that shame, hold on to it, hide it, and let it be my master is a horrible offense to the cross. And I I believe that there's an issue in Christian culture now where instead of enduring that um, growth process, we hide the shame, let it fester, and become a much darker and deeper sin over a longer period of time. And I believe that if we can get to the point where we can be more transparent about what we're going through while it's happening at the outset and we're just repenting for it before believers that we love and can support us, we're going to have a lot less Ravi's, you know? And by Ravi's, I mean stories of like giant sexual abuse that's been hidden and and covered up and and then highly damaging to the faith. But like, let's just say like, you know, and this is all speculation, but say like 40 years ago when Ravi was really like starting to deal with sexual sin, if he just like went to his wife, like, listen, I'm struggling right now. Right. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm about to make some mistakes. I've been looking at something I shouldn't. I, you know, I, there's a relationship that I've, I have right now that's making my heart grow towards that person, whatever it is. Yeah, that, that like, transparency like, in the little things will prevent it just giant. being hidden. And, and then you get better at hiding things. And then, and then you then get better with dealing with the shame instead of surrendering it. Right. You know? And, and I think Matt knows, and what we need to learn to know is that, that you don't, just because Jesus takes your shame, he doesn't take your consequences. Mm-hmm. Like there are consequences mm-hmm. for things that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, just because our, our eternity is secure does not mean our reality is. Right. <laughs> and we believe that because we want justice when other people do it. Yeah. When other people do the same things that you've either been guilty of mm-hmm. or whatever, you want the justice. Mm. So you accept you accept this reality, but you just try to avoid it for yourself or you don't want it for yourself. Yeah. And again, I'm not I'm not defending what he whatever he did, I'm sure if he's embarrassed about it, I'm sure it wasn't good, you know? Yeah. And I just would much rather him do what he did than him die and we find out he had massage parlors all over the world. Right, like, right. So, I, I mean, I'd rather that. Do you think it's because a little bit of, um, by the way, hold on, I got a question. But before that, yeah. I don't want to get away from this because one uh, to me, one of the most beautiful verses that like uh, doesn't get repeated a lot, but is so, I mean, you could do a whole study just on this verse because they were talking about like, the cross really is a paradox. Mm-hmm. And... It's why half the world through history and still today doesn't believe because it's it's if you can't get it you can't get it but like once you get it it's mind blowing but um so what do we it was uh, Colossians uh, two fifteen um, Paul says having disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them tri- tri- triumphing over them by the cross so the the irony we've we talked about this before on here but like. Christ made a public spectacle of these powers and principalities of Rome when the whole idea was to make the person on the cross the public spectacle. Mm. And that's crazy because when the cross is preached accurately and and what it really was, was like you said, all of our shame for eternity, like now, is on that cross. So it was settled for us. Mm. So that, that means there's no cross for us. So there is the more public spectacle for us, that mm. shame, for, like, you know? So it really disarmed Rome, and especially because he overcame death. So, and that was really their only thing they could wave in the face of anybody mm. is, is through threats. But my question was going to be is, do you think Ravi hid his 
you think it was just a matter of the heart between the two, or do you think it's, or do you think it's because the position of the two? So, Matt Chandler was a pastor. Hmm. Ravi Zacharias was an apologist. Mm-hmm. He spent his whole entire life arguing why Christianity is true, and you can bank on its foundations and its truths. So as soon as you get as if you're dealing with something behind closed doors, it's different than if a pastor who's not necessarily arguing those truths all the time, he's just talking about the realities of them. Um, do you see where I'm going with that? Like yeah. if you have to defend the the truth of it and then you're you can behind separate closed, the two worlds. Right. If you can be if you're behind closed doors, you're not living it out, people would be like, How can you even say this is true if you don't even believe it? Because they're going to immediately take it to that. Like, just because you're not living out means you don't believe it, which isn't necessarily true. Yeah. Um, or do you think it was just a heart thing? Do you think there are positions that had anything to do with it? I think it probably some of it, because one's, one's an overseer and one's just an information giver, really, right? Like right, a, right, art, right. Like a, not information giver, it demeans what he did, but, yeah, yeah. you know, an apologist. Yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think it would be harder to live in two worlds in one than the other. Because mm-hmm. one, you're you're giving truth with the objective every day because it's not like matt is just teaching i'm sure he's doing counseling and he's leading right, like right, seminars right. it's mm-hmm. like if you know that there's something broken in you that you're not fixing i i every day you, you must feel like junk if well, you're also, yeah, choosing and, between the two. and also we're comparing the two like they're equal but they're definitely not the two uh, sins yeah oh 100 not right so it's like no. uh, one repented for it <laughs> right yeah true 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 but so, i'm just saying yeah. the one is like once you're that far into it yeah like that how do you and you know how do you publicly mm-hmm. even though you should that's like a lot harder to ask for than to like you said like Matt like Matt Chandler said like if a regular secular person would be like why is he even apologizing nothing even happened really yeah so like technically if it's what it is he was just overly friendly he was just friendly he yeah not even flirty yeah he had a, so far we know that we know yeah yeah from what we know yeah um like it was a, a had a really good female friend and their banter was probably inappropriate mm-hmm. And if that were, you know, I, I, I don't really, I don't have any that that would be like, like I, that would fall under that category, but, um, uh, that would talk to about uh, that free, I don't know, frequency and familiarity, like I have colleagues and stuff and, you know, I, I talk to, um, but again, I'm like, I'm, I'm not holding myself to an overseer standard, but I guess I should. I mean, those are just questions I've been wrestling with this week. Um, cause second, First uh, Timothy three two says now the overseer and then uh, the other translations use church leader for New Living Translate we don't use that one um, bishop for ones we do use King James and New King James is to be above reproach faithful to his wife temperate self controlled respectable hospitable and able to teach so the first one is just like can have nothing be able to be hurled against them it's tough it is tough because that's, that's why like, they don't go to bars. Because there's ways people could hurl those things against them, you know. Right. I mean, I could say this because it's a it's a a good thing, but like the, I the story's been passed around. So Pastor Parisi, like, forgive me if it's not true, but uh, I heard that like when he first became a pastor, um, he would not drink, but he would go, you know, sit in a place that served mm-hmm. alcohol or whatever. And then um, somebody was like, "Yeah, that doesn't look right for a pastor." And he just like never went again. Mm-hmm. It was just because it became a stumbling block, and he wants to be above approach and just want to be accused that. Of doing yeah. anything he shouldn't, and so he just didn't. See, this is the fine. This is the. This is a. This opens up a whole conversation though, because this is a fine line between what we talked about uh, last episode, where, or two episodes ago, where 
we should be in the midst of sinners, though. So that's going to get messy mm-hmm. because there's going to be – I mean, even technically, when you say live above reproach, like Jesus corrected them, but the approach – the reproach of the Pharisees where this man sits with tax collectors and sinners, in their minds, he He's was not, not living above reproach. reproach. Right. Yeah. He had to correct them. So what point do we have to correct somebody – if we're doing, do you know what I mean? It gets well, messy I, a little I, bit. Like, because I think we're looking outwardly instead of inwardly. I think this process is introspectively. Like, I think this is, Matt held himself to the standard. Like, he could have easily not said anything. But he went and he said, I feel convicted. You guys decide what to do with this. Right, so this is a little bit unique situation to, because this was a fellow believer, I think, right, the girl? I assume so, yeah. Yeah, it's a fellow believer, so it's not like he was doing this. He wasn't doing this to witness to, to yeah. it. So it's a different True. situation. That's mm-hmm. when it gets a little bit messy, when it's like you're trying to go out there and be a light in the midst of darkness. Well, in that darkness, I'm sure there's going to be ways where people can – if somebody wants to claim you for not living above reproach, they can do it. Like that's just – they can find ways to manipulate something and say it. So that's where it gets a little bit messy. Mm. And I'm not saying there's – I'm not saying it's black and white. I'm just saying – it. it it open, yeah. It's gonna. It'll, it'll open doors for. A so, what do you think the distinction is between like being above approach and just avoiding slander? You know, like is it just a filter that you we all have to just as believers know? Because like right now, I could accuse you of something. As cliche, right? As cliche, right? As, as cliche as this might sound, and I think this this is why this saying has come around for so long. But it it might literally be as simple as like. What would if you're in any given situation? Like, what would Jesus do? Seriously, like, what mm. would would he be doing this? Like, can I can I look at his life and and justify what I'm doing right now? And I don't want to say justify. I don't not manipulate it, but literally look at like one is what I'm is my goal. What I'm doing right now get, is there any fruit from it? Because mm. then if there's not, then it's like then just don't even bother. Yeah. But if there is, and if there's if you're sparking conversation, whatever whatever you're doing, I don't know. I'm just saying like, and you could see him doing that because he. Like, again, he did get accused of certain things. I don't know. Maybe it's, it opens up a whole – maybe ask one of your close believer friends. Like, listen, I might have a bias because maybe I want to justify something. Maybe I don't, whatever. But, like, let do me you, know. Here's what I'm doing. Do you think I'm – do you think this I should be doing this or do you think I shouldn't be doing this? Do you think here's, Jesus is a good standard for above approach, though? And, to, like, to compare ourselves to because he would obviously know what was going to be hurled against him and that what he's doing was going to warrant good results and it was holy because he was – perfect holy man and God at the same time. Like, I, he had full divinity in him, which I don't have. So I need to set up boundaries that he might not even need to set up because he knew they weren't going to be stumbling blocks or was going to be able to resist temptation. You know? Like, just for example, like what, what I'm thinking of is like going to the well, right? He's like talking to a woman alone. Yeah. Which is something that we as ministers don't do. And we're advised not to because it, it, it creates a spiritual relationship that could lead to romance. And, like, I believe all those boundaries are necessary, but Jesus didn't set them up. Well, probably because he knew and he went out of his way, you know, through Samaria, um, a dangerous place with every intention because that woman needed to be saved. See, I don't have that foreknowledge, you know, to go out of my way and, mm-hmm. and, and witness to this person. So, like, is it I'm not. I don't really have a point, but I'm like, yeah, I, is, is he the best person <laughs> to compare? Like, we're mortal man, so we have to guard ourselves because we could fall. Um, no, I, I, I think to an extent, when he became, 
he still resisted temptation, so wouldn't that isn't that still like uh he he was still in each situation and still fully man, so he would have had the same temptation to whatever whatever it would have been, but persevered through it. I I understand there's like the the unclarity in, in clarity unclarity with uh like his divinity and how much he knew which would help him in that situation but he's still fully man so he was tempted in all ways like we are right, right. that's why i think he would be a good standard yeah uh, here's here's the d- the dumb question that's rattling around in my brain so uh correct me if where i am very wrong oh, sure. where it, it says to be above reproach, but it's specifically talking about bishops and deacons. Is that not to separate the people who are ministering to people in the church, because the point of the church is to equip the body of believers to then go out in the world and live out the gospel and to be in those messy situations? Am I like making a a very bad like theological di- division where there shouldn't be one where like the ministers are supposed to be even more set apart and ministering to the Christians who then are so, going out into the messy areas. So I think our standard is Christ. And then from there you get not that not that your regular follower isn't held to a certain standard mm-hmm. but recognizing that we're all going to fall and we're all sinners, I think mm-hmm. the bishops and pastors are held to a higher standard. However, all of our standards should be, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. He doesn't say, follow me as I follow a bishop. Y- yes. Do, do you see what I'm saying? It's like the standard is still Christ. He's set, it has mm-hmm. to be, he's the mm-hmm. son of man. So, But I see what you're saying, where it's like, if you're an average churchgoer, you don't necessarily have to live above reproach so that you can go get in the messy situations. Mm-hmm. It's the pastors and the and the deacons that to be set apart within the church body. Maybe, but here's the th- to be honest, there's not ecclesiology is very there's not a lot about the structure of a it's church. Very it, it's, few. It's very few and and vague and Second Timothy and then Titus, right? Yeah, and I think it's because it allows for the Holy Spirit to work and move, and it allows for diversity. Although we still want unity. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, we should always, always submit more towards towards unity. It's more unity is more important. Unity under the scripture, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I'm saying yeah. They'll know us for our love for one another. Well, right. That's yeah. a good point though, because I think that it's actually beautiful when you when you the way you phrased it and that it allow the way that the loose structure because we we talk about like how what's missing is intentional in anywhere in scripture right like whenever there's yeah, something yeah. whatever's there is intentional whatever's missing is intentional mm-hmm. but for us so the, the the structure of the church God knew that at this point we would have cultures all over the world who mm-hmm. worship different um, in different emotions worship with you know. Um, I don't know, different languages, different everything, different personalities. Like personalities in Russia are going to be different than personalities in Spain, right? There's just – people are just different all over the world. And so when you give a very loose structure to the church, meaning an overseer, deacons, elders, which means that there needs to be a – there needs to be a person who can interpret the word and give it to his people. There needs to be people that person can trust to carry out the word to those people and live it out for them as in the elders. And then there needs to be the deacons and they all have their qualifications, but the qualifications are all moral. Right. And so in any culture, you just need someone willing to explain the word and people willing to live it out 
with moral convictions. And then it's up to everybody. You know, and so after that, you can apply a church in a Chinese basement, you know, in China. Um, not a basement, specifically in America. So then you could apply it to the South as a Baptist church and you apply it to Canada. You know, so it is cool how it's like so general that it can be applied to all the people because God cares about everybody having access to a church. You know, you have the underground church in China. You have the evangelical church with 15,000 members, you know. Right, right. And I think, yeah, exactly. And that's when Revelation talks about every tribe and tongue and every, it's it's going to be the beauty, there's there's unity in diversity. I mean, there's going to be unity with, with diversity. Yeah. And Revelation 7. Right. And so what was the original question though? So I, I was I was asking oh, so the above reproach, above yeah, yeah. reproach, and saying that it was specifically pointed towards bishops and uh, elders, but like deacons. If, yeah. So now my next question is like, what did Jesus actually do? And it says that he was, oh, he was called against sitting with them. Not that he, not that because uh, isn't it when uh, Matthew opens up his house mm-hmm. that comment is made? So it's not that he was. In the bars, it was that he was at somebody else's house and inviting people out. I know we talked about that last time with the the book on saturate and missional communities and inviting unsafe people into every activities that we in every activities in every activity that we do to show the light of Christ in and that it's not just all about the Bible; it's about living out the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what are you saying? What do you? So, what do you? What's the question? The, I think we're conflating like. Going to a bar is what Jesus would do to reach that person. Now, I think it sounds bad. Like he might, if that's the area like that. I think that's where Adam's saying, like Jesus has the divine knowledge to know that nothing would happen and that he knows how it would turn out. But for us, I feel like it's better to invite people out of the places that they're in. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I think this is an, this might be a little bit of an area where I mean I don't want to get into the nuances. It's a little speculative. Of, yeah, I don't want to get to the nuances of it. But back in I mean, if you go back first century, it's like things. Everything was there's no such thing as privacy, and in a lot of the world right now, there's still no such thing as privacy. Mm-hmm. Which is why when Jesus was in Matthew's house, mm-hmm. the Pharisees knew it, and he could have picked any one of the disciples' house to go into, but he picked Matthew's. The point was to be. And by the way, this whole thing is like even when like when Jesus was on the cross. He was on the cross for blasphemy and for being a rebel. Like even mm-hmm. the thieves on the cross, they translate thieves, but it's not thieves. They were rebels. They were rebels to Rome and the Sanhedrin. Mm-hmm. And so it was the same word they used for, um, not Barnabas. Oh my gosh. Barabbas. Barabbas. Yes, the same word. He was a rebel. It's the same exact word they used. So, so Jesus was getting into messy situations in Ten, I don't, yeah, I guess intentionally to settle these big issues that were constant debates going on in in the in the atmosphere in the scene back then, um, which is why he answers it with like, um, it's not those. Yeah, who, uh, you know, if you read in Hosea, I desire mercy mm-hmm. and not sacrifice, uh, for I did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, where are you going to get the sinners? You're not just going to get it like. It, so I, I don't know. It's a weird. It's a. I don't know. I think it's. I think it's the job of the Holy Spirit, to job of the Holy Spirit and you, and and to work through your friends and be like, listen, this is my idea right now. This is my witnessing. What do you think about it? Like, here's. I don't know. I. Yeah. So I I think that, regardless of either one, I again I I can't 
I, I can't, I'm not going to speculate about what Jesus, when he went to these, like these, these places where there yeah. were people like what he actually did, what safeguards he put up. Like, I don't know. Um, but I don't know of like what you're saying, the privacy thing matters, like how it's mm-hmm. open. But I mean, I assume if we're looking at the Acts 2, like, or Acts 2 church, like they're eating, breaking bread with each other. I'm just, the non-believers, if they're, they're obviously welcome in their house. So it's not barring your relationship with non-believers, but I mean, I can say this. Regard all of this being said, all of my, all the people that I've seen fall in in the past uh, few years, like like strong Christian um, leaders, it's been because they didn't have safeguards, and it had very little to do with. They were trying to witness somebody, and it got weird, and it got and it snowballed. It was always like I was ready to fall, and I did. Mm. You know, like I knew that girl, like. So a few years back, I went to a Calvary Chapel conference, and there was a right before then someone in Florida. Mm. I don't know remember his name, but he was like one of the founding people of Calvary Chapel. He had an affair with the youth pastor's wife, and when I at the conference, like the the men were like weeping uh, because their brother fell, and by fell meaning like he's you know he's no longer a pastor, and you know that. It's like scary that something could happen. It's like one of us. Honestly, like we're sitting around here. Imagine five years from now, just finding out like one of us like did mm-hmm. like left their wife or got divorced or did something terrible. It'd be painful. Um, and it always it started with I, you know, I I found her attractive, but I thought I could control it. Um, I thought he was attractive. I thought I, I could control my attraction. Um, and then I, and, and if it wasn't that, it's, um, I was ministering to her spiritually because her husband was being rude to her and, and she, she leaned on me to be kind of like the emotional support that her husband wasn't. And that's usually how those things snowball. So I don't even know if it, 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 any of these conversations even borderline what we're talking about. Like it's usually not intentions that are even involved. Like it's, it's like you wanted the sin and you just let it happen. Yeah, but it's not like he was and, witnessing and, or any, like most right, of the time right, it's right. not like I, I was trying to save her in the bar and we just hooked up. You know, it's like, it's, it's not, that's normally not how it happens. It's like, well, that's also what I'm, that's true too. But what I'm saying is, uh, in, in these certain situations that you're kind of describing, I do think you're right, but I think that lack of transparency is what gets it there because, oh yeah, me too. Because you said it would make more sense if what you're saying is he just, uh, he went to a bar to witness and he hooked up with a girl that night. That's like a spur of the moment type of thing that happened. Like this is uh, you're, you know what I mean? Like you're arguing like that he wanted to sin and he did. Well, yeah, but that took over eight months of conver- conversation through DMs, whatever. You know, like yeah, it doesn't just happen. It, it's got to It's yeah, but it's gradual. But you still want it because yeah, and you're, which makes you're denying the Holy no Spirit right, each right, level right. of the gradual right. denial of you know. So slowly doing the Jonah thing, like running from your call further yeah. and further and further until you're full fledged denial. Yeah, you know, and, and living in a different different world. So I don't know. I, I still – I don't think that's – like witnessing the sin, sinners is not – and, and communing with sinners is not an excuse to let your guard down. No, absolutely not. No. no. Yeah. So it would be hard. It's, I don't want to conflate the two. Um, yes, yeah. but it would be walking that line and, and, and doing – and like, like I said, I don't know. It would, it would be having a group of people doing these things with you. You're all, all holding – I'm not saying no individual should ever go to a bar and just try to witness. I'm not saying that because yeah. next thing you're going to know, you're going to come home with girls' numbers. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about like in any scenario, if you're trying to witness, it should be with a group of people. Mm. That way everyone's holding each other up accountable and 
Yeah. And if at, I think the personal level, like the at, at, at your core, you know what would be a temptation or not. And for guys, it's always like lust, right? It's just mm-hmm. generally the number one thing. So assess the situation before you go in. Could this be a stumbling block? And if don't, do not do it. Like run as mm-hmm. far away as possible. There are other people that Jesus can use to reach them without crippling the ministry in your own life. Mm-hmm. So uh, the proverb, take it, like, take it another way mm-hmm. home, yeah. right? It's not in that proverb. It's not that the young man was going to walk by and be like, God loves you and keep skipping. It mm-hmm. was like, you find her attractive. You're going to fall into sin. Take, if you have to go like, you know, to the other side of the city and back to avoid it, do it. So I take, I mean, that approach is, is, I just think we're conflating like what you would do in different situations. I don't know if you even have to walk the line. They're different things. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I don't know if there's all like between two worlds. It's like seek and save the lost. Mm-hmm. So you have to talk to the lost, but don't go places where you're going to stumble. Like that's pretty self-explanatory, right? So what I'm saying is, I think what happens with the church is that because we don't want to stumble, we don't seek and save the lost. You think so? Yeah. Be- broad brush. I'm not saying everybody. I'm not saying every church. I'm not saying everyone. But broad brush. We, and that's what happens. That's why if you ask your fellow, you ask your fellow uh, Christian friends, like, how many non-believer friends do you have? Most people run out of them and they fade away because they don't want to st- stumble. And they don't. Instead of thinking of creative ways to do it, maybe with the group to do it, like instead of going through the work to do you that, think it's the fear of stumbling. I don't know if that's the number one thing. Like what else would it- comfort fear of? Uh, being embarrassed like that stumbling I think of like being brought into sin like me like if someone's afraid to go on a Saturday and do door to door witnessing it's not because they're afraid they're going to see somebody who crack when they open the door and just want to crack it's because they're just afraid of being embarrassed yeah but I'm talking about right but I'm talking about I'm not talking about that I'm talking about shedding non-believer friends when you become a believer that's a that's a pattern and there's got to be an explanation behind that. And I think it's because, mm-hmm. well, you're non-believer. Like, you were, you were with all your non-believer friends. Next thing you know, you got saved. You start feeling convicted. All your friends used to drink. Mm-hmm. And when you go out and hang out with them, now you're the only one not drinking. And instead of instead of risking having to stumble in that, convers- stumble in that you just stop hanging out with them. Funny, there's a there's a local restaurant owner who drinks nonstop um, when <laughs> they make food, and my uh, my brother used to go and like witness to him, and the guy would be talking to him, and the guy would accept Christ every night. <laughs> I'm not kidding, like every single night it's at like, like twelve o'clock, he's like you know what I love Jesus, you know, and then the next morning he's Buddhist, you know, yeah. um, so that guy is so saved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. New morning mercies every day. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like a fresh altar call. 51st. <laughs> 51st saves. 51st. <laughs> Movie idea. Ooh, pre reflex will come out soon. <laughs> Kirk Cameron will be the star. Oh, man. Yeah. So with uh, the Matt situation, we do have to see it like, unfold and everything uh, with stuff that's going on. But I do think. A couple of takeaways from it. One, I think we've hit on a bunch of times, but transparency at the mm-hmm. outset of temptation and mis- yeah. and sin. And to remove the shame stigma because Jesus removed it. Mm-hmm. So if I if I go to either of these two guys in this room and I'm like, listen, I'm struggling with this thing. It's a little embarrassing. I need help. 
I will feel embarrassed when I say it, but mm-hmm. if I know they're not going to bury me in shame or like judge me for what I'm saying, I actually have a chance to, to recover, you know, and um, be supported and, you know, seek out true repentance that's going to turn away from sin. Mm-hmm. But if I bury it and don't say anything and I struggle with that private sin and then let that lion overtake me, um, then I'm going to end up in a much worse place where God's, you know, the, the banner that we carry is going to be much more damaged. And, and I'm just thinking like, there's, there's a lot of victory through the shame that like, as you're struggling and are very shameful of what's going on as you, I, I don't, I don't believe anybody truly conquers a sin until we're in heaven. Like it's, we're naturally going to be tempted and continue to sin, but as uh, the temptation wanes or you get more more and more victories underneath your belt with that particular sin, it becomes more of a witnessing opportunity, one, to non-believers who can see your testimony of the struggle that you're going through and for Christians who might be struggling and might be keeping that sin um, under wraps and seeing somebody else go through it and be open and honest with it and uh, share like some of the defeats and, and mm. a lot of the victories of going through it. Um, like I said, bearing that shame that Christ already died for. It's okay. Yeah. Stop mm-hmm. bearing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think another thing is to, to stay in like Steve's prayer for the leaders that you have mm. in the church. Yep. Yeah. Cause no matter who they are, no matter who they are, they can fall like horribly. You know? Yeah. Well, okay. So just cause you said it again, you said it earlier too. And, and I think you're right, but I think it's a, I think we're always falling, hmm. just different levels of it, mm-hmm. different areas, but we're always like falling. Um, so, but I know what you mean though. The, like The uh, imagery I think of when I say that is that, you know, as you rise on a pedestal, you have farther to fall. Okay. So like, I see what you mean. Like if you're the spiritual your leader, of, your yeah, pedestal yeah, yeah. is kind of higher. Mm-hmm. So when I say fall, I mean like completely fall off of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To where you lose your pedestal. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. but I agree. Yeah. We're always separated from. Yeah. You know, well, not separated from God, but we're all sinners falling, falling short. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I, one day I'll, you know, one day we'll be, we'll get it. Yeah, in our twenty-five bodies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. So pick a year. What what year is Jesus coming back? Oh God, no. <laughs> okay, no, that's good. But what I was one question I was going to ask earlier when I started asking the questions: mm-hmm. What is your least favorite worship song that we play on the worship team right now? Least favorite. Least favorite. I- by like music or Does like it, the I words. Ask you a question, Cole. Oh, okay, I'm uh, trying to ask clarifiers. I know you hate those. Uh, any really anyone from like 2010, or, yeah, 2000s on, like two, I mean 2000s, <laughs> like 2010 prior. It's okay, because like we, I said, like I've argued this before. Like, not that they're not good songs, but um, they're very in that 2000 to 2010. Songs came out that were very easy to get tired of. Okay. And I'm not saying all old songs. Like, hymns are still great, mm-hmm. and they'll always be great. But there was a certain genre like, like of, of worship from 2000 to 2010 where, like, sometimes I just hear the song now, and I'm like, I, I like almost, like, internally, like, it just, I've heard it so many times, and it's like, but now songs are structured with, like, the, you know, more pad-heavy and more ethereal. It's like songs like that can't really get old. There's not that, like... Steadiness to it that gets old, and I would argue, and the and the ones that we play now have more theology in them. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not saying more better. I'm not saying better, but I would say the verses have more dense 
Yeah, yeah. Theology term, more like hymnal almost language. Yeah, they're going built back in. to it. Yeah, they're going back. Yeah. yeah. And like, uh, I would say my least favorite thing, I might have said this before, is that the Ren Collective one, the diamonds in my throat, or whatever. What's that? Oh, oh yeah. I don't even consider that a worship song. Yeah. I mean, we did it for like Multiplied. five years. Multiply. 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 Others should just do it too. It was not just us. Wasn't it Need to Breathe? Need to Breathe, yeah. I need to Breathe, sorry. Yeah. That would be, that's still my worst, my least favorite. What's yours? I, I think it's, uh, this is amazing. Uh, Grace might be the one. Yeah, but it's in that genre. It's the same. The like, yeah. Although his newer stuff, I think, is a little it's more better, contemporary yeah. with the genre. But uh, people say that new, new, new worship music is like less nah, biblical. I, I don't, I don't agree. I think that's, just, uh, personally, I think that's just them falling into like, uh, that mentality where it's like anything new is bad. Yeah. You know, it's like, I think you got to take every song as an individual song. Yeah. Don't put it in any box of a new, just because it's new doesn't mean anything. Like Maverick City, some of their songs are amazing. Like, Theological. You read, yeah, you read yeah. it, and it's like reading a psalm. Yeah. The, um, the, what's the one where it's like I'm crawling on my knees kind of? Yeah. Um, uh, that's, oh like, my it gosh. sounds like a hymn. Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, it's my uh, favorite one from them. I know. It's, uh, I sing it constantly. Uh, blood. Uh, Nothing with the blood. Nothing, not, no. Mm -mm. It's close. Um, no? Wow. Oh my gosh. Liz is probably like yelling this in her in her. We're not redeemed right by the blood lamb. What's the other one? It's something. The blood is still the blood. The blood, blood is still the blood. Yeah. Like that song. If you just read yeah, through the, yeah. the verses in that, incredible. Yeah. And then you're like, how great. Is that also a great, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, in yeah. terms of density of, of, of information about God, you're going to get in it. There's a place for both. I'm not downplaying that song because it is a great song. But I agree with how tired you can get of it. You can sing Maverick City song 10 times and that song. There's and just like, so many moving parts. So, yeah. And yeah and like, like you can get struck by the third down, verse. And, yeah. 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 Um, I like what I'll, it will never get old is – like what Shane and Shane does with just like mm. putting music to scripture mm -hmm. or even like um, Elevation with the Blessing yeah. with Carrie Job. Mm. They just sing it from numbers. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, yeah. Shane and Shane still like make music like that? Yeah. yeah they, oh, like not new? They, they haven't... Because I, I don't think they come out with There's a lot more psalms. Yeah. You know? I don't know how many you want to talk about like breaking people's teeth and stuff, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's only one with that one, but yeah, there's yeah. going to be a couple more. I... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm so uh, a quick plug for the the church app. I have a new section coming out, which is all our recent songs that we've done in the past year. I can't find one on here that I actually don't like. Oh, nice! That really? we've done in the last year. Yeah, that we've done in the last year. We've definitely done. This is Amazing Grace. No, uh, that is on there. Never mind. Okay, there it is. Okay. <laughs> well, is it, well, this this is Amazing Grace and Made New have that same feel. Yo, yeah. Made that New. Would, that's my second least. Yeah. Those would be. The, it's like not that I don't like it. If if I had to pick out of these, I guess I would. Those would be it. Yeah, those I are still think they're God glorifying, and I'm yeah. happy. I'll be happy to play him for. To me, yeah. any as a drummer, it'd be any song with four on the kick. <laughs> Worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So any Phil, any Phil, Phil looking. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's also the fact that that they're all in B flat for Phil, mm -hmm. and they're all the same chord progression with like a really cheesy three note lick in the beginning. Mm -hmm. It just like if I played five in a row, I would still use the same three notes, the same three chords, and it. They're all so similar that if you play one after another, I don't know which, like... No, there was one worship set. We had four all together, all in B, all the same, like, licks with just one note difference, and I was so confused every single it's time. Like I'm like, which one am I doing? I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that's those are my... I agree mm -hmm. with the least favorite, but... 
I also think it's because there's less fast songs in worship, so you repeat the fast ones more, so mm, then you start to represent the rep- repetition of the mm. fast ones. The slow, slow ones are nice. But yeah, we were talking about this a while ago. The, I've come to like slow worship songs a lot more for the depth that they have and like the, the etherealness of them, where it just feels that's like that's what heaven would be like. Mm. Etherealness? Yeah. So, oh, okay. I was just using his word. Okay. Yeah, I... We say that a lot, and I'm just is, is our basis for that was what would heaven be like? Just like a choir and like a full sound? Is that like our basis? <laughs> I guess it's like what the then Luke is that too, where it talks about the angels singing like glory, glory, like like lots of voices, lots of voices full. just singing. Worship, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. No, it's fine. Just ask. Yeah, I mean, there really is no. We have no idea what. So it's our guess at what heaven would be like. Yeah, I think it's going to be, and I think it's going to be. I'm just asking. I think it's going to be a lot of these songs. I think we'll be doing some some of these songs that are theologically sound. Can you imagine if it just multiplied? <laughs> <laughs> he loves it. Yeah. Like Brady Diamonds, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said diamonds in my thighs. Whatever. What does that mean? <laughs> That's a Maya Angelou poem. Oh, man. Yeah, last week, Joe's last uh, episode, Joe did a, had a Maya Angelou quote, and we were like, oh, what is that? And it was like, people don't know how you – what you said or what you did, but they remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I never heard that before. And then I, I went to like my parent, uh, the the teacher conference thing, and mm-hmm. that was like the first slide. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, dang it. I have a picture of it. So he's not the only person that knows that quote. sinners and you know doing the great commission and there's a and uh, there's a difference between that and keeping your guard up and following christ what are some boundaries that you think we should set as christians so that we can also we can simultaneously walk and do both things like what boundaries do you think as as christian men in the faith um this is like an admonition to christian men who may be listening <laughs> sean hour what um, discipline boundaries can we set up where it's like these are things that we should not do because it opens a door that could lead down the wrong way like I, I think some of them can be universal I mean other than like the, the bigger one where it's like counseling one on one other than that I can't think of one like off the top of my head right now mm. is that bad? yeah um, maybe you just need some more boundaries that's right maybe <laughs> freaking Biden's America over here <laughs> Even, <laughs> no like, I don't know. Even <laughs> I don't know. Even that's hard for me sometimes. To like, I knew you're gonna, you're gonna have a counter. This, this no, no I don't have a no. I, no this be a tough one for you though, because like, I don't have a, I don't have a counter. It might because I guess it's just all it takes is just to live above reproach. Somebody like, but like to me, it's just that one's just really hard because I think you have to do. Oh, how do I word all this? Okay, you have to. I mean, I guess the right way is to yeah, never counsel a girl one one on one, right? Mm-hmm. But but then it's like okay, what about hanging out? But 
Probably not either, because then all it takes is somebody to see you with the mm-hmm. and the, you make assumptions. Or even in the Matt Chandler thing, like no texting at all. Like where where do you draw the line of that? Like, well, I the, what I think through is the the framework of like a teacher because teachers have a separate motivations, but the public school wants to pr- make the teachers above approach too. So it's a similar desire to be above approach. Is like you shouldn't ever counsel anyone for anything. With a closed door where no one else can. Oh see. yeah. Okay. So I get counseling. That's because that's like emotions are high. Yeah. And it, or meet, but or talk with anyone where there's a cl- where no one else can see what you're doing. So always but have is that a third just party of involved. False accusations. Above reproach. Yeah. Okay, but I, I mean, like, I'm, I'm saying, say, a student cl- just arbitrarily claims you did something, and now there's no cameras there, you can't do it. But yeah. I'm, that's different than saying like, oh, I saw, Mr. Prime. Eating in the cafeteria with this in public, eating in the cafeteria with this in girl. public. I'm saying closed doors, like closed doors. No one else can see what's going on, because they could say, "I saw him look at that that person yesterday." Long, they could just the, make up the, the gl- story. The glance yeah. was a little too long, and then right, today right, right. he's closing the door, pulling the shade down. They're okay. in there for 20 minutes. They well, come yeah, out. the shade things wild. <laughs> you know what I, all I'm saying <laughs> it they just makes it feel it. weirder. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the idea of being, especially, I don't even think the cross gender or sex thing matters anymore because it's you know their society's so free. So it doesn't matter whether the boy or girl, you know, you shouldn't be alone. Like that's the teacher. So now you can't be alone with, oh, a teacher for a teacher. Got yeah, it. for okay. a teacher. So like yeah, I'm yeah. saying, I think through the, the lenses. So like my lens is so strict that I don't really have to worry about that. Like even for small things, the, the biggest one that's a struggle for me is I, I drive to, to down uh, what's called the road to excellence to the school that I work at. Uh, it's, it's kind of like the road to like mediocrity. But like, we're, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. It's the road to excellence. Uh, but we're driving and um, – and it's funny. I said it's like Mr. A teacher, a chemistry teacher I had in high school told me that. I remembered. Um, but we were driving. Uh, when I drive down the road, sometimes it'll be like raining and it'll be like just above freezing temperatures, and there'll be like mm-hmm. kids walking to school. Mm-hmm. And like I would love, and it'd be such a relationship builder. She'd be like open the passenger door and be like, "Hop in. I'll, get, I'll take you the next five hundred yards." But I will be fired mm-hmm. if I do that. It's because I have a person in my car and somewhere they can't see where arms and legs and. You know, they can't see below the chest. So any accusation could be made in okay. stick. Okay, so I would I pick that kid out of all the other kids. Like it's it's I have to watch that kid struggle and I have to deal with that because I want to be above reproach. You know? I know, but in that we're compromising other core values. I helping helping the weak helping the whatever whatever you want to call it disadvantaged the poor helping like so now you're not gonna this goes back to the conversation we had the other day where it's like now you're not going to get your donkey out of the ditch because it's sabbath isn't it good to do isn't it good to do good on the you know what i mean like now now we might say our, our society's gone way too far to go back but like when they originally when all this started originally unfolding and like one kid gets sued in Iowa now, you know what I mean? Whatever. It's like once it, we should have made a stand and stuck and be like, no, we're, I'm always going to seek the good of mm-hmm. mankind. Mm-hmm. And we will be known for if, if it's raining and icy, we're going to pick the person up. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, that's where, then that's where the sermon on Malcolm is like, blessed to you who, who are persecuted for my name's sake or, you know, and that's when that yeah. comes to life. But because we compromise to that, now, now none of that's ever happening. Now we got to drive by a kid who's freezing wet, you know, it's so, like, yeah. And, I, and the teaching thing is like a hard, like line. Yeah, is that like, yeah. that, like, can they really like consent fully? There's a pitch in authority, but I'm saying that you drive by a person walking out like an adult, I'd be happy to pick them up. You know, that's different. Yeah, yeah, but, so but, but yeah, how many adults are walking down the road? Excellent. I'm just saying in that scenario, I'm just saying like, yeah. Even in that scenario, even if I knew it was for their benefit, I believe there's a net good higher 
than letting them walk 500 yards, you know? So even though I feel bad about it, part of it's like, they're fine. And then when they get there, I could be like, listen, if you like, I could help them find a better communication route. I could help them. I could give them money to take an Uber home. Like, and I, there's other expressions of love. You can do that all that. Moment. You can give somebody money. I could sign up. I could download Uber on my phone and have an Uber pull up to the school for them. Oh, okay. you know, um, so like there's yeah, other so expressions of love yeah. where yeah. I don't have to violate my conscience. Yeah. My violence. So I think there's, it involves creativity where you can still show Christ's yeah. love and also, you know. Now, I think now people. it does. I think we just got too far to the, like, I think way back when, when it started, 90s. I don't know. Like yeah. it should have been, a stand should have been taken. Like, Yeah. Um, And I've shared this so many times, so I'm sorry. I know you guys are tired of hearing it, but like in, in Disney, like with the butterbeer. Mm-hmm. Like in Harry yeah. Potter world. Oh, yeah, yeah. The teachers aren't allowed to drink Harry, like that because it looks like you're drinking alcohol, yeah. even though you're drinking butterscotch soda. And so, the, and all the teachers are like, yeah, I get it. Like, I don't, I don't want people to think that we're drunk on this trip, you know, mm-hmm. even if we're not or even close to it. Um, and then as Christians, we're just like, yeah, but I think that we should be able to have butterscotch soda. It's like, how come we secular people are, are, are willing to abandon like that joy for that mission, but Christians aren't willing to have a little bit of uncomfortability, you know, for theirs? Like, I don't like. It seems like we're just so prideful. It's like that's my right to have that butter beer. It's like no, it's not. Like mm. surrender your rights. That's what Paul asked you to do. You know. Um. So for, I don't know. I think one boundary, the one that I hold for myself is not only just counseling like alone, but getting to like too deep of an issue with someone where you're going to connect on an emotion or, or spiritual with that person. So. It's just one of my, like, if I start getting, like, if I'm talking to someone and like uh, all the intentions I assume are always perfect and good. So there's mm-hmm. no, there's no, like, I'm not assuming any weakness on either side, but if it gets to like a deep spiritual conversation, I'd like another party there. I got, I'd like to have someone else there while it happens, you know, preferably my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, or just say, Hey, my wife's actually really good at talking about this stuff. I'd love for you to like talk to her about it. And so I, I'll, uh, my my spidey sense is like go oh, real fast when it's like mm. it goes from just like a casual like oh that's what I'm going through to like I need advice you know that as soon as that that like you know the certain key phrases come out to where like now they're seeking counseling mm. they're not just like venting mm. then it's like okay let me get you counsel because I'm not giving it and I almost get my running shoes on you know yeah I don't this is a really hard thing for me to get my brain into I just don't think like this mm. so I I really can't answer this question. I mean, like, outside of, I don't know. I don't know how to answer it. Like, if someone DM'd you on Instagram and had like deep spiritual questions, and they were female, and they were attractive, that matters for the equation. Would oh yeah, that you, always would matters. You, would yeah. you continue the conversation? But th- that matters for the occasion, but it doesn't matter for above reproach. No, but it matters for like the. I mean, and for Matt Chandler's thing, it definitely matters. For what I understand the conversation to be, but either way, I'm saying you're talking to it. Would you would you DM that person with frequency and familiarity for a year's time? No, no, but, that, but that's just a personality. For I hate texting and all that. That's mm-hmm. a personality. I, but I would, I would, if if you're asking me honestly, I might send an article or video and be like, uh, if if this person goes to my church or is local, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I'd be like, but if they go to my church, I'd be like, let's uh, let's talk about Sunday, like at at service. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I'd send an article and be well, like, that's your way about, around it. And that's be above reproach. But I, honestly, none of that would be thinking because of above reproach. I'd be, I'd be, my immediate thought would be like, I'm not texting it. Like, if it's like predestination, or, you know what I mean? I'm not going to be like, 
Well, yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about it through Instagram DMs. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go back and forth, and now we gotta constantly look at my phone. Yeah. Like that's my first thought. <laughs> it's more laziness than it is anything. Mm-hmm. But I'd be like, I like human communication. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, I don't know, let's talk about it Sunday. Like, and would you like bring someone with you as an accountability le- like layer, or would you be like, no, no. If we're talking about in the sanctuary, okay. No, I would just literally have the conversation. Yeah, me too. Um. Okay, is there another scenario? I mean, I don't know. It's hard. Well, it really that's is Matt hard for me to look like, that one up. Um. Oh yeah, that is yeah. Um, is that how it started with a uh, like a theological thing? Is it? I, he said spiritual matters. Oh, so probably yeah. yeah. I mean, no matter what, I just think having another party involved is like just a first step. I think that's healthy anyway. You know, like if someone has a question and it gets getting deep, regardless of most situations, it'd be nice. To be like, hey, would you mind sitting down here and like we let's pray together over the situation? You know, and mm-hmm. then you have somebody else sitting there listening, holding you, like everybody accountable. I was going to say, even outside the accountability, just having somebody else that is also knowledgeable in the Bible would be helpful. I've, yeah. I don't know, because I, I wouldn't insight. say that, like, I have, I have all the answers, so I'd bring yeah, somebody. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you never want to misrepresent. Yeah. So, mm. like, even outside the accountability of that. Mm. Yeah, there was a young person a couple of years ago that I wanted to disciple. Do you remember I asked, was it you two? I, yeah, yeah. To be we there? Both helped, yeah. Um, I think we had two meetings, and then he didn't show up anymore because <laughs> he fell asleep in the second one. But... That <laughs> oh, yeah. was no. just because it was a young person. And yeah, 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 yeah. Movie, yeah. You know, just yeah. something small, and the cameras were on in the room, and like you know, and it's it just at some point there has to be faith. And I also acknowledge the simple fact that like if we're in a third world country and you don't have any other options, and there's like someone seeking Christ, I'm not never going to deny it. But to to act like we don't have options is just stupid. If we have options for accountability, and we can also accomplish the mission that God calls us to. So like I I just don't I don't find it like a feasible thing to be like well I didn't really have any other options you always have another option like that person has five extra minutes to wait for your other buddy to get there you mm-hmm. know if you're in a sanctuary it you know just like, hey can you come here for a sec bring yeah, them over yeah. like it's not that hard and to act like that that interaction is now cheapened because you now have accountability it's just silly you know I guess it's so hard for my brain to get there because I mean you you think in you think in motives and ideas. So if your motive's never bad, in that sense, you know what I mean? Like if, like you said, in a scenario where somebody reaches out mm-hmm. and like, you know, if you don't have a bad motive, you don't think, they, you're you don't think about it. You're just like, yeah. you're responding before you even think about anything. It's just like, mm-hmm. like, um, and then once you, in my, like, this might be arguably too late, but what I'm saying is once you realize yourself, a motive switch or like something mm-hmm. now it's your now it's then it now it's your job to be transparent to somebody whoever if you're yeah. if you're married if you're dating somebody if you got boys your friends like mm-hmm. then now like yo this just happened just letting you know right now before anything like mm-hmm. you know but that first initial response i'm not gonna uh, i don't yeah. immediately think to like is anybody looking is anybody like let me just make sure no, I no i know i'm not it's not like that i'm just yeah. saying like i wish my brain went there it just doesn't i just so let's say like that just for example, like with your situation you just described happens three times. Like you start, you have to repent for something. Like it starts to go down. You're like, oh, I catch myself. Like, like the messaging? No, no, like this, you just said, like you, you were talking to somebody and it got to the point where you felt convicted. You sought somebody out and you, and you repented and were transparent about it. Okay. That happens multiple times, right? Where you keep falling. 
you know, a little bit. Like you start, you have to be transparent about something. Like three times, I got to be transparent about something. Yeah, about yeah, yeah, the issue. Like it gets too far. You're like, okay, I realized this was like start is verging inappropriate. I'm just yeah. being. A, yeah. That happens multiple times. Would you just put up a bigger barrier so you don't even get yeah, near I would, that? Yeah, I would anymore? literally talk to that person and like block them. That's yeah, and so, tell them I was going to like listen. This nothing. You're awesome. Love you as a friend, but for my own sake, I gotta. I, we can't be doing this. I gotta. I gotta block you. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, I'll see you around church if you got. When you ask a question, then but like this private DM, like I'm not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I that's that's my thought now that I would that I would do. Yeah, I agree. I think yeah. that's correct. Yeah, because I just don't, I don't think that you should subject yourself to a situation where even like that transparency mm-hmm. needs to happen because you have that little repentance yeah, that needs yeah. to happen. You know. And but I think even like I don't even know if I'd get to two transparency things. I mean, I I don't know if I get to three. I'd probably get to like two. Yeah, and then the wall goes up. Yeah, but I'd be like this. Yeah, I can see already see what where this is. Mm. I mean, yeah, those are those are hard questions. It's like this. It was, one, I, it my brain is like that. Two, it's because it's situational. It is yeah. situational. So I, I don't, I'm not even. I guess the question was hard, the hard question was that it was like a universal. I guess the word wasn't that right, but like I guess general. I guess it would be like generally, how do you handle the boundaries? And so try to avoid meeting alone with opposite sex, right? Is there um, anything else besides opposite? I feel like that's the only thing we're going. To, I know it's a big one. Oh, it's crazy. It's like you know nowadays. You mean? Yeah. And age isn't an issue either, you know? So, like, if you're, talking, you're, talking, you're talking to priests, it doesn't matter at all, you know? Regardless about the sexual, is there anything else besides that? Like, I... What's another one? I can't... I, I mean, if can't. I'm thinking about drinking, like, I I don't socially drink. That's my boundary. Okay. By conviction, by the way, you know? Yeah, same, yeah. I just... I don't really drink at all. I don't drink yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying I, I've had that conviction since I took a leadership position like 10 years ago. I just don't want to socially drink. And I think – so drinking, I, I've never – I don't know. There's not really many other things. Language, like I, I try n- not to use any language that I wouldn't. That you want to what? Want to add it here? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of boundaries. I have like a now. I'm just getting in the gray areas in general instead of boundaries. That's what I was just thinking. It's like how much of that is just morality versus how to protect yourself from falling into actual sin. Mm. Yeah. So there's I'm, a difference. Yeah. So so is so then back to the boundaries is it just between the sexual like sexual lusts or like. Boundaries for that? So I, I think it'd be different based on – and whoever listens to this, if you're like not – if you don't – yeah, if you have to be a Christian to hear what I'm about to say because if not, you're going to think I'm like a huge sexist. But like I do believe guys and girls are going to struggle differently. Like girls, when they're when their affairs start, it's emotional affairs. That's how they start. Guys are, are physical. Generally, yeah. Gen- yeah. Generally, yeah. right? So when one need's not being met in the relationship, they seek outside of that for those, those needs to be met. Mm-hmm. And I only know that from hearing people talk about as their counselors says, but yeah. they see how the sea marriages fall apart. I have no experience with like hearing anybody I know saying that, but like they're just like I counsel a hundred couples and they all fell apart because of this. So I think for women it might be a different answer, you know, emotive mm. emotions. Like they might have emotional barriers they have to set up mm. when they have like a fight with their husband or boyfriend, like who they go and seek counsel from after that. There's got to be boundaries for that. 
Um, so I, I was just thinking, uh, going through counseling myself, uh, Pastor and Diane have actually, like, they, they make this best part clear, like, talking about how you uh, present your relationship to other people. And, like, if you do have an argument, not having another person that you go to, because then that, that automatically is, like, seeking counsel for somebody else and comfort in somebody else rather than working it out with your spouse. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and you're going to present your only your side of the story. Correct. And you're going to be biased. And either – and it, even even for good things to other people sometimes because um, – because that other person will either hate your spouse – or love your spouse, depending on which light you paint that person in. Because mm-hmm. you're either going to say all the good things about them or all the bad things about them. Right. Um, and rarely get like a balanced view of that person. That makes sense. Yeah, I think it, another boundary, this is another one I just thought of, is like along the lines of what you just said, is mm-hmm. if you're being vented to by a person on either side, like th- regardless of their sex, mm-hmm. right? Like someone's like in a mm-hmm. relationship issue and they're venting to you about what they're going through. Just listening without the other party present opens you up to liability as a support for the person venting. Right. Especially if you're giving counsel and like advice after that and like support, even support on top of that. It opens you up to liability to them quote you saying something you didn't say. Mm -hmm. So like if you have someone coming and venting to you, like say, you know. Stop. Yeah. Like I don't want to hear that. Yeah. I'll be happy to talk about that when the other party's present so I can get the full story. But like if your wife's not here, I'm not willing to hear you bash her, you know. Mm -hmm. And That's, that yeah. way, it covers the base of like him going to his wife and saying, "Pastor said I was right," mm. you know. And then you're being yeah. misquoted, and then your testimony's damaged. Hmm. That's probably I know that's something that happens to pastors, but as it happened to me, no one's asking for that. I, was say, I, don't, I don't think I've ever been asked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not qualified at all. Yeah, now that we're talking about this, I'm like, no one's coming to me for counsel. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. I think yeah, no. I think I've been asked one question in my entire like. Life? No, like no. like about that. That would be considered counseling, not just like somebody passes by and asks like a random like biblical question, but they're like asking for counsel. Mm. That's only happened like once. Well, I think like a young adults group lends itself to relationship like issues popping up over the past ten yes, years. Yes. It's the reason. I'm, I mean, if I led like a men's study, I probably wouldn't have as many things. Yeah, it'd be weird if you didn't. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Transparency from the outset, praying for your pastors. Give me a, a third point to wrap up, the last one. No, the first set of questions was like what God's teaching us right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Balancing that- your ministries, mm-hmm. Cole. Yeah, You grace. actually understanding. Great. The Jewishness oh. and grace. Uh, yeah. Joe said he understands 4% of the Bible. We're <laughs> praying through that or whatever <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, and then... I guess mine would be like praying for boundaries and um, letting the Holy Spirit convict where you, where you shouldn't, holding yourself to where, holding yourself to the standard of conviction that you should be, you know? That should be, that should be, yeah. That should be growing, but never bordering on like legalistic. Never. Yeah. But also, I mean. Like the balance of that, where it's. It's not legalism, I think it was introspective. Correct, right. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. if it's not outward, then it's, <laughs> yeah, then it's yeah. fine, you know? But no, no, what I'm saying is never convicted, never guilt driven. Because mm. it's different. Yeah. Yes. Not not as a work. Right. But as like. As a, I, I as a make... reverence, as a, as a you love God so much. So. Yeah. 
And I, sometimes I, I would think that when I would have like a conviction about something, it'd be this painful thing. And what I've realized, the more I fall in love with Jesus, the more I walk with him, that he takes away the desire for those things. Right. Yeah. You know, and so the, the, the convictions that I had for things would just, um, you know, music listen to stand up or like shows that would, you know, not be God glorifying. It was just, I don't have, I have zero desire. It was just taken away. Right. And the more you study scripture and the more you realize the harmony and beauty of the whole entire thing and, and, yeah. and the cost that it cost God to sacrifice his son on the cross, like mm-hmm. y- you'll want to drop things. Mm. Yeah. There was a woman that used to go to a church that passed away and the stories like stuck out to me forever. And again, I probably said this before, but uh, she used to make birdhouses for the church. Like she used to make like, these like, elaborate birdhouses take like mm. three months to make. And then she would charge like 20 bucks and she could have made, you know, a thousand bucks. There, there was like people inside the birdhouse. Like it was, it was so crazy. And so she was like this saint and she painted all the time. And then one day my dad went to go help her with something because the Mullica River during one of the floods rose and flooded our whole house. Her whole house was condemned. So they're like, you know, trying to salvage it. They're taking two by fours out, propping up the house and doing all this mm-hmm. stuff. And so she'd been going through a tough time. A month later, they're going to check up on the house. My dad just went to go pray with her and he goes, she's like weeping. And, but the whole time her house was falling apart, she was full of joy. She's walking around like, God is good. Like I'm in my eighties like I'm fine. And then a month later, see everything seemed to be going better. And she's sitting there crying. So he's like, I'll say her name, Edith. Like what's going on? And she's just like, I got mad today. Weeping, she just was mad at something one of her kids said, and it was just like a subtle. She's like, "I just got mad." It wasn't like she yelled; it was just she felt anger and bitter weeping because she offended the cross. Mm. And her level of conviction is like so much higher than mine. And to be honest, like I, I pray one day I get to where she was, you know, and when I heard Matt say what he said, it like he was where she was spiritually, Mm -hmm. you know, broken because of an offense against the cross. And that's really what it all boils down to. Right. And so like, why am I okay with my offenses against the cross to the point where it doesn't bring me to tears Mm. when I'm just tacking on more shame, you know? Mm. So those stories like that, where I hear about people so sanctified and weeping over what I would consider subtle, negligible, forgettable offenses, you mm-hmm. know, against the cross. It's like still separated her to hell if mm-hmm. she didn't have the cross, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's not even their sin itself, but the recognition mm-hmm. of, like you said, the offense of the cross or, yeah. or, or you misrepresenting your Messiah or, you know, mm-hmm. just like, like Matt Chandler said, like most people would be like, why is he even apologizing for this? Mm-hmm. But recognizing like the cost of the Christ and, and, how you're supposed to be his representative ambassador now and just misrepresenting him by doing something. Yeah, take it on the mantle of Christ, especially if you take on some sort of leadership position. It's like such a, it's not heavy in a bad way because it's, an, if you do it well, it's an amazing privilege mm-hmm, right. to be able to bear that light. But if, when you mess up, it's like, man, Christ, I just, you know, I misrepresented you. But I think his, re- so far, I think his response, his response, he boasted in his weakness mm. and in turn it elevated scripture mm-hmm. because now people got to be like, wait, why is he apologizing? And then he gets to explain in his apology, like, because the standard of God is so high mm. and scriptures are authority, mm. not secularism. Yeah. 
So people see that that wouldn't normally see that, and like, wow, this guy's taking it serious. He could have tried to sweep it under the rug, like mm. the Vatican or mm-hmm. Ravi, or and then it belittles the Word of God, because now you're just like the, his transparency actually elevated the cross a little bit more. I agree. Yeah. And it's up to, and again, we're assuming if he all, was really we, transparent. Yeah, we're yeah, assuming yeah. that transparency was authentic, right? But. If it if it all is the way they say it is, then it's up to the congregation members to now be holy mm-hmm. and forgive him. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's up to it's their choice. But man, like if you do, you, did you hear the the one guy like saying like "We love you, Matt"? Yeah, like when he was shot, saying yeah. it. I and that's, lost it. I know, me yeah. too. Because you know, I'm, I'm on the other side of the, the country, and I'm like thinking like, "I love you, Matt." I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I typed it. And the comments weren't turned off, so I, yeah. So, yeah, so I, I mean, if, if you're at all been blessed by his ministry, one of the, the series that I've been through maybe three times now is like Recovering Redemption. It's a really good, <laughs> yeah. like, gospel-oriented thing. Uh, a sermon series is 10, 40-minute sermons. Um, really good, and a lot of times, like, when I explain gospel, like, basic gospel stuff, like, I use his analogies because he just, like, I think he thinks well. Um, his thought processes are, like, pretty tangible, and, you know, I, especially for people who are, like, new believers— he offers like a really understandable way to understand the gospel. So it's worth going to that, but then also like pray for him and his church. And um, I think he's got a pretty, Satan's going to, as much as Jesus is going to use it in his church, Satan's going to use it to like, you know, bring down. People are saying that's another hill song, you know? So that's what, if people could recognize that it's not, it's very different. Yeah, what he did and what Hillsong like, like that's a very different thing. Regardless of what they, I'm not talking about the sin. I'm talking about the response. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Regardless of the yeah. sin, the response is just so different. And he responded as if his sin was mortifying. Yes, mm-hmm. even though his wasn't that big of a deal, and they tried to hide it, and theirs was a crazy sin. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, I guess on a personal level, if you if you're at all, I mean, if you're a believer and you're You've been wrestling with a sin for a long time. I can like I can tell you from a personal testimony. There's freedom from that sin. Mm-hmm. There really is freedom. And but that, you want to got to kill it. You have to. Yeah. And I, I and I think we hit on this tonight earlier when we were talking about whether or not like with boundaries and and witnessing, but also like keeping uh, away from things that might bring you down. Like Paul's very clear. If you're if you if a sin is if if your eye is causing you to, to sin, pluck out your eye. Mm-hmm. Cut your right hand off. Whatever it is, it's a dramatic severance from that sin. Um, so if if you do have like really take it seriously, you know, because um, I guarantee that whatever sin it is that you think you're struggling with is not an isolated sin. You know, if it takes root, it's gonna like plant, and the roots are gonna pop up and like five mm-hmm. yards away from that. You know, that and tree. not just not just to kill the sin, but then to plant. Good things in, in its place, yeah. fruit in its place, yeah. or else it'll just—it's like weeding. Mm-hmm. Or else think it'll just come back next. You know, I mean, replace it with with good fruit. Yeah, fruit of the spirit. True. Yeah, you pull the root out; it's gonna keep coming up. Mm-hmm. I pull the weed out; it's gonna keep coming yeah. up in other areas. All right. Any last words of admonition, Joe? Cole, Bennett. Bennett. Is he down here? No. Um. Oh. All right. You guys have been countered. 
Thank you so much for tuning into the Encounter podcast and being part of the Encounter community. We treat this podcast as a ministry. We pray for it. We pray for our listeners, and we pray that the guests and the information and the gospel that we share on this channel and this media platform are always and only glorifying to Christ and Christ alone. And while we do that, guys, our podcast sometimes spans one to three hours. So if you hear anything that you disagree with while we are speaking, which is highly likely, be Berean Christians, you have a few options. The first one would be to take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. The second one would be to know that your and our authority should be and always be the scripture. So before you take anything at our word, please open the pages of your Bible, read them and find out what absolute truth looks like. Find it. And then the next step would be to reach out to us. And we would love to learn from our listeners um, as you are listening through a one-way communication to about our podcast. So please reach out to us with questions, concerns. We want to be held accountable. We want to have conversations. We want to see actual growth. But first, take a deep breath. Second, open your Bible. And three, give us a shout out. Have a blessed week.